Exact Nature loves partnering with the Sobriety Diaries because we are committed to the same goal, helping you strengthen your recovery. Exact Nature's safe, all-natural CBD-based products help you face the challenges of sobriety head-on. Learn more at exactnature.com. And as a listener of the Sobriety Diaries, use the code TSD20 to receive 20% off. Exactnature.com. Welcome to the Sobriety Diaries, friends. My name is Nate. I am a grateful recovering alcoholic six years from my last drink. My sobriety is such a huge part of who I am. I decided that I needed to help others find their voice and share their journey too. The Sobriety Diaries is a video podcast where we share powerful stories of recovery told by those who live them. Head on over to thesobrietydiaries.com where you can join our insiders list for exclusive content, early release episodes, and more. Also, please share this podcast with just one person in your life who may still be struggling. You just never know what they may need to hear today. Recovery is possible. Happy Sober Day, friends. Thank you so much for downloading today's episode and spending part of your day with me here on the Sobriety Diaries. Today is a special episode. We are talking to my friend, Kristen. Kristen has been a follower and supporter of our podcast and the Instagram page from the very beginning. And I think that it really just speaks to the connections that we can make and the community that the Sobriety Diaries has created and the larger recovery community online and via social media. I talk a lot about starting my recovery journey in the rooms of a 12-step program, and I still practice those principles and read the literature and interact with most of the people that I have met in the rooms, but I have definitely shifted toward the online recovery community and fellow podcasters and recovery literature and different forums in which I can make connections to like-minded people and fellow alcoholics and addicts who are seeking this connection through social media. And Kristen is one of those individuals that I have just connected with from the beginning, and she is such a sweetheart and supporter of everything that I do. We've been planning to record together for a long time, and we finally made that happen, and it was a great conversation. Kristen opens up about addiction and motherhood and how it has affected her relationships and currently being in a relationship uh, with a partner who still drinks and how they handle that and if it affects her sobriety and cravings. So we cover a lot of topics. It was a great chat. So let's open the diary on my friend, Kristen. Kristen, thank you so much for joining me today on the Sobriety Diaries. How are you, my friend? Doing fabulous. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Thanks for having me. We connected a while ago on Instagram and I feel have developed this sort of online friendship. So I'm, I'm super excited to be chatting today. Same. I think we have um, some 
really good things in common. I know we talk, you, you talk a lot about your camping expeditions. Uh, I found you early on and I think I've kind of been along for the ride for a while here. And uh, finally, I'm, I'm just, I'm glad that you're giving me the opportunity to come on and talk. When was your last drink or drug and why was it that day in particular? So um, my sobriety anniversary, I guess I'd call it, it's October 27th, 2019. It was the straw that broke the camel's back that night, that Saturday night. I had gone out. Um, I had a girlfriend down from uh, Massachusetts visiting and we worked together, but she's in another office and she came down and, you know, we had like some happy hour stuff going on. You know, this was pre-COVID, right before COVID really hit, actually. Uh, we'd gone out and I was with my boyfriend at the time, who's now my fiance, who probably wouldn't be my fiance had that night not yeah, happened. Right. So in some ways, you know, you're grateful for that, for that straw that yeah. broke the camel's back. Right. Yeah. Um, and we were out and we ended up going, you know, happy hour. And then we went to a little bar, a friend has a band and we were listening to the band. And, you know, there was a guy there that I saw that I like recognized. And I'm the type that like, I never forget a face. And I'm like, where the heck do I know this guy? And so I just started talking to him, you know? I wasn't attracted to him. I didn't like him ever, like nothing like that. I mean, I've been dating my boyfriend for seven, eight, nine years at this point. Yeah. Um, so apparently, uh, long story short, fast forward the next morning, I apparently was hitting on the guy and basically wanted to take the guy home. Mm. Um, so my alcohol definitely would make me do things that were yeah. probably not uh, appropriate. Right. Um, and of course, in my mind, of course, I'm texting my friend the next day, to, you know, yeah. if anything bad was happening, like she's going to give me the real truth anyways. Right. <laughs> and I asked, you know, what, what happened? And she was like, no, you weren't doing anything bad. I didn't see anything, but you know, did she see anything? Was my boyfriend, boyfriend, maybe, um, exaggerating who knows a little bit of both. Probably. I was probably being obnoxious, maybe hanging on the guy a little bit too much because I was just drunk. Um, so he was like at, at the end, because this has been a long time coming with him for me, having episodes of going out, getting drunk, getting blackout drunk, doing stupid things, acting inappropriately. And I think in his mind, in my mind, I realized if I'm acting like this in front of my boyfriend, when I go out with him, yes. what could I possibly do maybe when I wasn't with him? Right. Not even knowing, not even wanting to do something, not even, not even really having any desire for this particular person who just happened to be there at the right place wrong time I guess you'd say there was no nothing no connection but apparently I was all over this guy and I was doing really inappropriate things right yeah. so you got to sit there and say to yourself how does one reconcile the fact that I could be with my boyfriend sitting in front of me and doing these things like yeah. that's a problem we were in the hotel room um, the next morning and he packed up his stuff super early. My girlfriend had already headed back to Massachusetts. She was like, I, I throw up when I get home, you know? So she yeah. obviously was kind of a, a drinker too. Um, and he was like, I'm done. I, I'm done. I'm done with you. I can't do this anymore. And I was like hung over, felt horrible. Couldn't remember anything. I mean, I blacked out a lot. Yeah. In Same. my drinking days. I did too. A lot. Like to the point where, you know, I was physically looking like I was awake, but yeah. I was blacked out. Same. You, you know, like That's no scary. recollection. Yeah. Zero recollection. So, you know, I had to. So I sat there in the hotel room by myself feeling horrible. And I was like, oh my God, like this is bad. And, you know, I had had times where I was like, you know, I, I got to get my shit together. And he'd say, you know, Chris, you got to 
you, you know, you're getting older and, you know, you can't keep doing this because it was like every day yeah. or every day, even on a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Thursday, I was drinking to the point where I'd black out. I'm 51 now, so I'm not a spring chicken. Right. And, <laughs> you know, um, the more you drink, the harder it takes a toll on your body. Right. And yeah. um, the hangovers, you know, some people can drink for years and get mm. better with the hangovers. Mine never got better. I mean, horrible. Yes. I mean, like thought I had alcohol poisoning probably most of the time throwing up consistently, you know, it was bad. It was really bad. And here I was, you know, functioning, I guess you'd call it alcoholic. Yeah. I worked, right. Um, worked three jobs usually throughout my time since my kids were younger. Um, and I was divorced and I had to keep a roof over our head and put food on the table. I worked my full-time job. I had a job. I still have a job at a um, major hotel corporation where I do banquets. And then I do like side jobs. I do cleaning. So I worked a lot. Yeah. It didn't ever really quote unquote, I guess you want to say get in the way yeah. um, per se, or at least I didn't think it did. Right. I usually invite you to sort of start where you want to start and identify things that led to an addiction. Is there a family history? Was there a traumatic event? And sort of maybe start to unravel, I guess, your story a bit and what led up to your addiction. So, you know, I grew up in a, you know, middle-class family. I was the youngest of three. I probably by the time I was like 12 or 13, you know, back then we were called latchkey kids, you know, yes. you kind of just did your own thing. My dad worked second shift. My mom was a real estate agent. So she was gone a lot. No one, um, you know, if you wanted to eat, you had to learn how to cook. My grandmother was a great cook. I learned how to cook. I was making chicken marsala at 12. You know yeah. what I mean? That's just what I did. <laughs> right. Where did you grow um, up, Kristen? I'm in Connecticut. Okay. So, you know, I, I, you know, I could tell you the first time I got drunk, I was yeah. probably, um, I was in a sophomore in high school, I was 15. And my best friend at the time, um, we were at her house, and her parents had gone away. And we had a couple friends over and we got drunk, you know. And, you know, so in high school, drank kind of pretty much average, I wouldn't, there was the kids that, you know, were doing drugging and, and really drinking a lot. And they were kind of like the you know, the Hellions and I kind of was just, you know, average drank with, had a group of friends still really keep in contact with those friends. To be honest with you, there's probably a group of 10 of us, you know, going back on oh, 35, 40 years. Nice. Um, went to college, went to college in Florida, big party school. The joke was always, what does every freshman do? Walk home in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I went to a party yeah. school too here in Ohio. And I think that that even factored into my decision a bit because I knew it was a party school. Yeah, I was excited because I was going from Connecticut to Florida. So it was yeah, like fun course. and fun. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. You revolved your classes around the, the beach and the sun. And, you know, um, we, we partied, you know, like college kids do. And I did well. I had a double major in college. Um, I went backpacking around Europe after I graduated college. I had this boyfriend who I thought I was going to walk away into the sunset with <laughs> yeah. when I got back from my um, from my trip. And he kind of had changed plans a little bit. And I ended up coming back to Connecticut and everything kind of got askew, I guess you'd call it. Mm. Um, and I don't know if that, you know, that may have played into some something you know, I don't want to call it, you know, everyone's definition of trauma, right, is different. But sure. there's little things that can certainly add up. There's different moments. I mean, 
in my childhood, maybe that, you know, thinking back that, you know, may have altered me a little bit, but nothing, you know, I wasn't molested. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't beaten, things like that. I mean, but like I said, everyone kind of has different, different ways of thinking about things that may have, may or not have affected them. Sure. Um, I heard something that really stuck with me once from Lisa Lampanelli. We had her on the show with her co-host and she said, you know, there are traumas with a capital T and there are traumas with a lowercase T. And I relate to what you're saying because I had traumas with the lowercase T from here, you know, here and there and, and little things that stick in my mind. I fortunately never had one of those like capital T's in my life. So that just reminded me of that when you said that. Yeah, totally. So, you know, I mean, and just like, you know, um, everybody's sobriety journey is their own sobriety journey, yeah. right? And, yeah. and everyone's trauma is their own trauma. You know, what I think of as trauma may not be yours and vice versa. So, you know, that was, you know, I definitely, my, the course of, of my um, professional life maybe got altered a bit from that because I know a lot of my friends that were in the same kind of major as me. They went out out West. They went to Seattle. They went to... Did you stay in Florida after you graduated? I had to go back to Connecticut because like, you know, it was weird. Like I had this boyfriend and we were going to go and, oh gosh, we were going to go to like South America and travel around and do all this other stuff. When I got back from my trip, he was just like, oh, well, I'm going to, I have to go make some money and I'm going to work on the islands for a bit. And I was like, shit, I'm like stuck here. What the hell am I going to do? And my parents were kind of like, they were kind of mad at me for kind of having all these grandiose ideas of doing this with this guy. And so I like took a bus back from Florida to Connecticut and I was like, I got to work. Right. So I just started working in like a restaurant. Did you seek out with this individual, like someone who was part, like on the same level as partying with you? Did you try to surround yourself with people who were, that's something that I always did when I looked for a partner or I looked, you know, for a new group of friends when I moved to, Columbus after I graduated people that were like partying the same way that I was so he he did um to some degree he didn't go to he wasn't on campus with us he was I had met him at an off-campus party so he wasn't at our college yeah um and but I think you know one of the things was when I got back you know and you know we drank throughout our whole trip to in Europe you know yeah of course one country to the next. I was thinking about it. We'd be, you know, back then there was different currencies for every country and it was like wine, food or water when we had like five <laughs> francs left or whatever, right. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it was always, you know, we'd buy a bottle of wine and we'd hop on the train and we'd go to the next country. I mean, that's just how you did it then, you know? Oh, that sounds amazing, um, actually. Oh my God. It was so fun. Amazing. So amazing. You know, literally a backpack. That was yeah. that. You know, oh my God. and you went and you took the train. You know, nowadays kids are flying from country to country, right. but then we took the train, right? You know, and you'd find the, the sleeper train and go and to save money on a hostel or whatever oh. and you'd you'd sleep on the train. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. It was, uh, yeah. And that was the friend that I got <laughs> the friend that I traveled around Europe was yeah. was the friend that I got drunk with the first time. Oh, okay. Well, there's continuity in your story here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> if, if nothing else, that part is in continuity. <laughs> um, she ended up moving from Connecticut to New Jersey. Her father had gotten a job, I remember. And, you know, we still maintained our friendship throughout those years. And we visited each other in college. And then we had always had that plan and we kept it, you know. Um, so I went back to Connecticut and I got a job. And, I, you know, if you're in the restaurant industry. What do you do? You drink, you know, you go out after work, you drink, you know, yes. it's very prevalent. Yes. I think you had said you I know did it well. Some... Yes. Yeah. 
you know, so I did that. I, um, then I ended up working for the airlines for a while and that was like another party, right? Like I worked in reservations, but you could like hop on a flight. I'd I'd go to Puerto Rico for the day and take the first nonstop down in first class, start drinking, you know, champagne and then take the last nonstop back and be drinking and then go out into Hartford and drink. You know, that was just the life. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and, and then I was approaching 30, you know, and I was like, shit, I, I want kids and I, I got to get going here. So <laughs> I met my husband at the time and it was, you know, the first few years were okay. We had our kids. I had a, I had, I have two daughters now that are 18 and 20. Grateful for my children and grateful for them. The marriage was not good. I was in it for almost 13 years. Um, it was difficult. And I wouldn't say I drank a ton during that time, but when I drank, I drank, mm-hmm. you know, if I went out on a Friday or Saturday night, I was, I was getting blackout drunk and then having to, and then being up in the next morning, being hung over with two little, two little kids, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I suffered from migraines a lot during that time. It was a very, it was a difficult time. So then I got divorced and then it was like, I don't want to say a free for all, but it was kind of like, I was able to kind of do what I wanted to do and go out and drink, even though I still had the kids. Right. And I, and I was like, I mean, I was involved with everything with the kids. I took them to dance. I took them to soccer. I took them. I mean, I did everything. I had them pretty much full time and I was never not there. There probably were situations where I got myself into and, you know, drove the kids. Yeah. I think those are some of, my biggest regrets while I was drinking is putting other people at risk. Um, and I don't have children, so I'm sure that that's sort of next next level um, guilt. But yeah, those are definitely my biggest regrets as well um, during my addiction. You know, and then you'd see you'd see the mom in town that would get the DUI, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe that!" And I'm thinking, "Oh my god, that could be any of us on right. any given day." Sure, I never, right. you know, would never judge because you know we, you know, the mom wine culture back then. You know, you'd all get together right. and you'd be hanging out drinking, and you know, we'd have the soccer parties and all the moms all we were all drinking. You know what I mean? The kids would be there. There'd be a pool party and everyone would be drinking. It was just what you did. You know what I yeah. mean? And no one, no one second guessed you. But God forbid someone get a DUI. I'm thinking right. that could be any one of us on any given day, realistically. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I never got a DUI, never really, you know, was never in trouble with the law, anything like that. But, you know, I definitely took some, took some risks that, yeah. um, you know, definitely, you know, thank God that everyone is okay. You know, yeah. you know, I, like I said, that's been almost eight years. Um, thankfully I got sober before the pandemic, Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I said to myself, had I not been sober before the pandemic, I would probably be in the ground right now. Yeah. I mean, let me tell you, it was trying being home 24-7 in the pandemic, not drinking and having, you know, just family the day to day. You know, we'd be cooking dinner every night, seven days a week, had kids home from college because they couldn't stay on campus anymore. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, you got sick of looking at each other, you know? Yeah. And you couldn't go anywhere. And I was taking care of my parents a lot. Um, and I became even more isolated because I, we were in our own like self-quarantine here because we had to be extra, extra careful of not yeah. getting, um, being exposed, you know, because of my parents. But I didn't, I didn't tell my parents. So I ended up um, after that, that dreaded evening of October 26th into the 27th, um, I didn't, I, I was like, what am I going to do? 
how, what does this look like for me? Yeah. I, I gotta, I gotta figure this out. I had never really tried to, to get sober before. I think maybe the longest I'd gone was 30 days. I was curious if you didn't tell your parents because you weren't confident that it would last or you wanted to kind of just like feel things out first. You're going to, you're going to be surprised when you hear this. Okay. People don't believe me still. So I, so I was living in the house. Yeah. I lived, they had like a, a bonus room. So I was up there. My office was up there. My bedroom was up there. My daughter had like one of the guest rooms and, and then, you know, we would kind of do dinner together. My dad cooked every night still, even in his, uh, even when he was not well, he still was really cooking. He was always a cook. Yeah. Um, and so I said, I got, I got to do something. So I just Googled, you know, where can I go? What, what can I do? I don't know yeah. what else to do here. I, I got to find somewhere to go. Um, I didn't feel like, I don't want to say I didn't feel like, but I didn't want to go to like necessarily an inpatient treatment center. Um, so I kind of white knuckled it in the beginning, to be honest with you, the first like couple weeks, cause I, I found a place close by, it was called the Rushford center. Um, and they had intensive outpatient. So I went in and did like an intake with the clinician. Yeah. I always laughed with her afterwards. Cause I was like, I did not like you, Allison at all. When, <laughs> when I met you, Yeah, did not like you, you know, when she was like, do you want to come five days a week or three days a week? I was like five days a week. What's wrong with you? I can't come yeah. five days a week. I want to come like, once. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like really? Yeah. So I was like, I'll take the three day plan. You know, it's like <laughs> three hours a night for three days a week for six weeks. Yeah. Right. I was like, okay, I guess I'll do that. But probably it didn't start right away. So I want to say the first couple of weeks, I just kind of white knuckled it. Mm-hmm. I would work and then go to bed. Yeah. Work and then oh, go to I bed. I slept so much my first year of sobriety. So much. I mean, I, I was like, if I'm not sleeping, I'm going to want to drink. So I just need to go yep. to sleep Same. at the end of the day. You know what I mean? So, um, started going to these meetings. I think it was like um, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, I think I would go or Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, any combination of it. Right. And you have like kind of the same people. And it was, it was kind of like an AA kind of meeting almost where you'd go and you'd kind of um, we'd go around, do like a check-in. Sometimes they'd have a little activity. The first probably couple of weeks, all I did was cry. I was miserable. (laughs) Didn't want to be there. Yeah. I was like, I hate this place. I hate all of you. I <laughs> yes. don't know what's wrong, you know, and it was all walks, you know, could be alcohol, could be um, drug addictions, whatever, you know, different things. And I would just say to my parents, I have a meeting, I have a dinner, yeah. I'm meeting my girlfriend out. I didn't tell them because primarily I felt like I didn't want to worry them. Yeah, They're, They were elderly. Worry in the sense that I didn't want them to feel like my daughter has an addiction and now she needs to go help for it, get help for it. And now we're going to worry about her and you know, either what did we do wrong or what's wrong with her? And I just didn't want them to worry. And I think, you know, society puts such a stigma on, you know, alcoholism or people that need to remove it from their life. Yeah. And that it's like, you know, it's, it's a problem. Like what's wrong with you? You know, it's like, so you take this addictive substance give it to people and really make people want to have it and write a passage at 21 and all this other stuff. And all of a sudden you're, you're supposed to feel like you're weak or lesser because you can't not keep drinking this addictive substance. Like it's like an oxymoron. Right. And and it's crazy. So crazy that the stigma is on those of us who want to not be consumed by it any longer, not the ones who, still consume uh it's like we're the superheroes in this you know what i mean we're we're removing it because we're choosing to and because we need to but also 
you know, we have to still feel all the feels, Yes. you know, we can't numb them with the alcohol because at the end of the day, the alcohol is there and it may feel good temporarily for, you know, maybe the first drink or the second drink. But at the end of the day, your problems are still there. Um, the issues are still going to be there and we're there feeling all the feels now, you know, we, yes. we're left with the feels and we're, we're working through it, you know, the hard way. And, you know, I would say too, um, my sobriety is not a judgment on your drinking, right? So when I tell somebody I don't drink, I removed alcohol from my life or however I put it, I'm very upfront with people. I can't drink. Oh, just have one. I, I don't want one. I want a lot yeah. more. Right. But it's, it's, it's funny. Do you find ever sometimes you say to somebody, I don't, I don't drink and their immediate response is, oh, I only have one on the weekend. Yes. Oh yeah. All the time. I'm not judging your drinking. I, do, I didn't, <laughs> yeah. that, that, I didn't ask you, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, and not to be rude, but like, I literally just didn't ask you how much you drink on the weekend. Yeah, I just said, right. I don't drink. Like, I don't, <laughs> like, I don't yeah. like mayonnaise. I didn't say, do you like mustard? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. What do you put on your burgers then? Yeah. You, <laughs> you know, it yeah. just, you know, um, but anyway, so uh, I never told my parents, okay, went through that whole entire time and have been sober for almost two and a half years now. I mean, while my father was still living, you know, my fiance is from New Hampshire and we'd go up, up to New Hampshire to our, to our camper and he'd be like, Hey, can you stop at the liquor store and grab me some gin and blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. You know, usually probably wouldn't ask somebody, you know, that is <laughs> removed alcohol from their life to pick up some booze. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just saying, you know, but it's, you know, I <laughs> yeah. just kind of was like, whatever. And he would go in and get it. You know, my fiance drinks. Um, and he would, he, you know, he goes into the liquor store to get my non-alcoholic stuff, you know, cause yeah. it's like wedged in the way back of the freaking store and right. you got to fucking go through the rum aisle <laughs> sure to, to get to, to get to the, <laughs> to get to the ritual zero proof. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm yeah. just like, I used to have to go like this if I went in and uh -huh. he'd be like, Oh my God, Chris, there's so many things here. You should see the selection. He'd be taking a picture and videoing uh, it. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, I can't, I just go in there, you know, yeah. and I can, it's not that I can't, <laughs> but you know. That's actually interesting because I think there there are a lot of couples out there who who may be in the same boat. So your fiance drinks uh, and you don't. How how do you guys manage that? So yeah, it's um, it's interesting. You know, people a lot of times will ask or they'll wonder. You know how that how we navigate that. Um, yeah. And you know, he dealt with many years of me drinking and being super obnoxious and kind of mean. <laughs> to be honest with you, yeah. Um, but, and he still, he does drink, right? So we, I kind of have set up some boundaries, you know, around the, the drinking with him and me. And, you know, does he drink a lot? Not really. You know, does he drink every day? He might have a beer at five o'clock. And yeah. when we go camping, yes, he certainly drinks. And um, the, the rules, like, I don't know if he rules, but kind of rules. It's if he, if we're going to have an argument, we're not allowed to, he, I won't speak to him if he's had some drinks, even That's one smart. beer. That is smart. Will not. Like, yes, I used to argue a lot when, um, after I'd been drinking, but yeah. my rule is, you know, cause I'm the one that has removed it completely from my life and I have to deal with things on my own and in my own ways and not pick up a drink, yeah. right. To numb the numb, to numb the feels. Um, so we're not allowed to fight, uh, if he's been drinking, um, I don't kick somebody when they're down. So if yeah. he were to have too many the next and the next day he feels crappy, I go on and do my thing, right. I want to go for a hike. I go Good. for a hike. I want to go for a walk. I go for a walk. Yeah. Um, I don't let it hold me back, you know, but I'm certainly not going to make him feel like shit about it either. You know, right, right. um, if he wants to drink and, and have a hangover, go for it. I had many of those too. Right. <laughs> right I know right, what he's right. feeling like, and it feels like shit. So I don't need to make him feel more like shit. Um, and then, you know, I, I'm, I'm queen of like some phrases. 
um, just because um, I have to abstain, I I don't ask him to abstain because I can't moderate. Yeah, that's, that's smart. It. Yeah, that's smart. I love that. And it's not fair to us, you know, to have yeah. to, because it can be triggering, right? Someone right. arguing with you and you're you're completely stone cold sober and they're not, or even if they've had one or two and they're somewhat altered, right. it's not fair to us, you know, as being the sober ones. Um, right. And it, it's better for them too, you know, because you're just going to go down a slippery slope of something and, you know, things are going to be said that someone might regret and exactly. I just find it to be, you know, so it, it's, it has worked fine, you know, for us, I would say. Um, there's been a few, a few incidents and I just shut them down. Yeah. Like, no, we're not going to have this conversation when you're tomorrow morning, we can, if you've not had any booze in your system and right. all should be good. But other than that, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't expect him not to have any drinks because I'm not able to. My father has since passed. Mm-hmm. Uh, he passed December 26th and I didn't, I didn't ever tell him. Um, and my mother wow. has, um, dementia. Um, she ended up going into a nursing home about five five months ago and she just kind of went downhill you know in the dementia area she was kind of okay before she went in I mean she had signs of you know forgetfulness and things of that sort but when you go into like a nursing home you have like this transfer trauma yeah we call it and um you can take a minute Kristen if you need to sorry you're okay So she's, she's out actually now and she's doing a lot better, but truth be told. So I never, I never told my parents Yeah. and I, I don't regret it. I really don't. I don't, um, I don't think it would change anything. Right. Like, it's not like they were like, um, I, I just don't think it would, it would, it doesn't bother me and it doesn't, I don't regret it yeah. per se. Right. Could I yeah. have told them? Yes. Should I have? Maybe, maybe not. I, I you know, yeah. my mother is at a point now where it's just, it's, it's it's uh it with her mental state and her, yeah it's past that right yeah. you know so yeah. I'm, I'm fine with that um my sisters know i don't i don't have a, a really close relationship with either one of my sisters um they're supportive of it and they they know it and you know they they, they they've seen changes in me obviously but um uh, my friends my friends and my fiance and my kids are what's you know most important yeah what can you share with those who are listening who maybe are experiencing some tough life and what sort of coping skills or, or what kind of advice could you give to them? Yeah. So um, I definitely, I can remember even two and a half years ago, sitting in those rooms from, for intensive outpatient therapy and saying to myself, I'm never going to be able to make it when my dad dies. Cause I knew back then that he was not well. And I said, how am I ever going to get through, you know, that and camping. <laughs> yeah. How am yeah. I going to camp and not drink? Like, you Same. Just camp. Oh my God. Right? It was one of the priority thoughts that I had. Um, Literally as I was you had to write sober. on a piece of paper something that how you're you, worried about. How do you sit by a campfire <laughs> and without booze? So I, you know, I was right there with you on that one. You know, I look at it now as I gave up one thing to gain so much, literally yes. like life changing 360, drop the mic, everything, a whole nine yards. How did, how did I get through a lot of stuff? I am grateful and thankful that I had my sobriety when my father passed because I would have been 
you know, arguing even more than probably yeah. I already was with my sisters about this or that. Um, I was able to actually, I got trained to do peritoneal dialysis for my father. And I did that for him for like two years, almost wow. while he was home. Yeah. Um, I would never have been able to do any of that. Right. So I'm, I, I think of it as um, it's grounded me. It's made me present. It's helped me to get through these things that have been so difficult. And I thought we're going to be even more difficult without the alcohol. It's just been a blessing to be able to have my sobriety during these times. Um, yes, it's, it's, it's not easy, right? If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Right. And um, we're doing it and we're getting through it. And a lot of times I have to sit and play the tape forward, right? Yeah, if yeah. I have a trigger, if I have a moment, I first say to myself, I'm certainly not going to let this person ruin my sobriety. If it's somebody that's, you know, creeping into my mind thought. Yeah. Um, and, and I say to myself, what's it going to look like? And I kind of will let allow myself, you know, to sit with the feeling for a moment, you know, sure. feel it. As they say, you know, those, those thoughts come and go 20 minutes. Maybe they say, I think is like the rule, yes. you know, thoughts come and go actions are forever, you yes. know? So the thoughts can be changed. The thoughts can be, you know, worked through the action cannot be. So I allow myself to sit with it think about what it's going to look like. Okay. If I had that one drink, what's that going to look like? I'm probably not going to be very happy with myself to begin with. And guess what? The one drink's not going to be one drink. It's right. going to be two, three, four, five. Right. Yes. And then I'm going to be miserable. And so, you know, that saying the play the tape, literally, um, I do that That's so true. many, yeah. many times, you know, yeah. with the triggers, um, that we encounter on a day-to-day -day basis. And, you know, like I said, I just have to be, I am super grateful to have my sobriety well, keeping in the uh, sobriety diaries, uh, this is sort of a new question I've been asking people, but if you had to make a diary entry today, what would that look like? I would probably say, you know, today I got to share my story. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. Um, I kind of feel like um, I have a lot to give. I have a lot of, I want to say wisdom. You know, I've been doing this for a little while. I've definitely had my share of um, trials and tribulations through it. And I, I definitely want to be able to help more people and be more vocal about it. Everyone has their own story to tell. And I think that, you know, there are people that needed to hear your story specifically. So I am grateful to you that you were willing to share it. And I think that... Uh, your goal of wanting to help people will happen today and we can share your story and we will help people for sure. Thanks so much for listening today, friends. Hopefully you heard something that resonates with you. And if we help just one person, our job is done. Make sure you check out today's show notes for all of the information on today's episode and how to connect with our guest. You can find all things podcast related and subscribe to our show at the sobrietydiaries.com, youtube.com slash Nate Kelly, where we upload today's video podcast and on Instagram at the sobriety diaries pod. Check back every Wednesday for new episodes with new stories to tell. But until then, try your best not to drink and be good to yourself. Bye friends.